3: Sports Radio WEEI Christian Arkin Megan Ottolini. It's Arkin and Mego here with you until six o'clock. And joining us right now on the Harbor One Hotline, uh, your friend and mine from ESPN. Uh, it's Dan Orlovsky joining us here on the program. Dan, how are you? Thanks for the time today.
4: Uh, good afternoon. I'm doing well. How are you guys?
3: Uh, we're doing fine, Dan. It's been a uh, hell of a week here, obviously, and uh, we know that, you know, from uh, everyone in the NFL, this has been a, uh, a, a tough subject to deal with, a tough subject to even talk about, um, and you are one that didn't even uh, do the thoughts and prayer. You actually uh, said a prayer today on uh, on TV, so I can tell this is something that's uh, certainly affecting you a lot as well. Um, how, are you, how are you handling all this and, uh, and finding it in terms of your job here, which is Commentating on the uh, on the NFL and the Patriots and, and certain things and something big like this sort of comes along. How's that? How's that been for you?
0: Yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm like so many people that kind of w- was witnessing what happened Monday, at least um, relatively shortly after. Just constantly waiting, checking television or checking social media, you know, to see that one either breaking news statement or, or tweet, you know, that that there is some you know, sign of great news. I know that there's improved news and positive news coming off of last night for DeMar, but I think the real challenging thing for, um I think for a lot of guys that were a part of the NFL, either now or, you know, in the past is it's such a small group of guys. And I think that, um, and I said this yesterday on TV, like the bond and the relationship that you build with your teammates is different to every single one that you have in your life outside of like your wife or your husband, your spouse. And, um, it's just very unique. And um, you, you go through and experience so many things that, you know, when, when the word family gets thrown around, it's not necessarily a cliche, like they feel like family. And when you see DeMar experience that, you're like, yo, that, that could be me. That could be my brother. That could be uh, my best friend. And um, knowing how close players are, it, it, you you feel it very um, intimately. And so, you know, when that happens, you're automatically thinking for him and and praying for him and his family. And I don't know, I just thought, like, instead of just saying thoughts and prayers, like, let's actually do it for him. So um, just hoping to get some really, really good news here.
5: There have been some theories out there from medical personnel about what could have happened to cause this cardiac arrest event. And one of them is about taking a blow to a certain area in your chest and just an extremely, unfortunately, timed rhythm with the heart. Do you feel, Dan, like this may be caused to, I guess, re-examine some of the protective equipment that the players wear on their chest. It's it is an open area for NFL players in a lot of ways. Is that or would that be too restrictive to, especially for someone like you, the throwing motion?
0: Yeah, I mean that is so above my ability, brain wise. You know, <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think that right now it's just like let's just hope that Demar gets better and better and better and able is able to like go back to. Um, a relatively good life and whether football is a part of that is so far down the line. And then, you know, what, the, what, what was the cause of this and, and, um, you know, kind of figuring it out from there. And then if, if it means that, again, people that are significantly started, smarter than I, um, feel that, you know, changes being made are a positive, then that happens. But, um, I, I certainly am not capable of trying to be that person.
3: Dan, when you're playing days, did you ever see something on the field, an injury, or anything no, that uh, no. that made it hard to continue playing or want to maybe not play no. the next week? No, not, not anything close. You know, I said
0: this yesterday on Live, like from a very early age when it comes to the sport of football, physical toughness and mental toughness become a necessity. There is no shot of playing that sport at a high level unless you're both. You cannot be physically soft. You cannot be mentally not strong. And from an early age, you start to build that up. And I use the phrase like you callous yourself. You callous yourself to your own physical pain, your own doubts and fears and things that go through your mind, the pain that you feel both physically and mentally. You just And you, you start to uh, go through those really difficult and hard times as an athlete, and you start to take the fear and the doubt and the pain and turn it into strength and belief because you do these hard things over and over and over again. So when injury comes into play, you're just so callous to being like, oh, man, that, that, that hurt or that looks like it hurt, but move on. You know, like you're, you're so conditioned to move on, move forward, go to the next. And I was talking with Marcus Spears about it yesterday. Like, yo, we've seen um, – like we've watched guys tear ACLs in practice, you know, roll an ankle, dislocate an ankle, break an arm, break a – and they're just like, hey, move the huddle. And so you experience that so many times, you become callous and numb to anything. And, you know, when I was, when I saw what happened, I, my immediate thought was like, oh, he'll be okay. Like he's a football player. He'll be okay. And so no, I had never experienced anything like that on the football field that made you feel or ever made me feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could play next week or I'm fearful of no, nothing like that. Cause you become so callous to it all.
3: Well with that in mind then, Dan, how do the Buffalo Bills move on? Do they?
0: Yeah, it's the hardest thing those players have ever done that organization and, and I'm sure coaches have ever done. Um I don't think I don't know if there's a blueprint blueprint because athletes are often creatures of habit. And um the the creature of habit and the routine that they're in allows them to play at the level that they do. But their routine is completely broken this week. And so, and this isn't this isn't like, hey, we have a Thursday night game because there's a set routine for that. And this isn't like we have a Monday night game because there's a set routine that for that that you can get back to habit. This is something completely different. And so, how like, I don't, I don't know how um, that they go about their week and feel like they're capable and, and able to go play in a game, a meaningful game for them, certainly with their season. Now, I don't know because it's, it's Wednesday. So hopefully over the next day or two, there's some really great news about DeMar, and you can even take a little bit of a deep breath. Um, how athletes often com- can compartmentalize really well because it's a necessity in many ways. How well they can compartmentalize, but I, I like I, I don't know. I, I don't know how those guys go about playing in a game in four days without getting some awesome news coming out Um, about DeMar and his future.
5: So, Dan, um, to shift away from the DeMar Hamlin conversation just a little bit, I do want to bring up something because I tweeted about it, uh, about you a couple days ago, a spot that you had with Rex Ryan in which he was saying that he felt that this season was the best coaching job that he saw from Bill Belichick maybe in the history of his Patriots run. And I think your face said it all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. while, while, that, while he was talking. And, um yeah, I guess yeah. What, what was your response to that? Or have you thought more about that statement?
0: Yeah, I, 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 obviously I disagree with it. You know, um, I don't think that – I think the coaching job that he's done – first of all, I think Rex massively undervalues Kyle Duggar. You know, like, because Rex went on to say, well, the only guy that would start on some of those Patriot teams of the past is Matthew Judon while I agree with that Judon would be a star and, and a stud on those teams, like Kyle has become a stud as well. I think there's a bar more would, would be on that team. There's multiple guys on that defense. That would, Uche would be really good. So um, that, that's kind of where I disagree. I think their defense is a little bit more talented uh, than Rex probably does. And the fact that um, their offense is so bad is in part because of the persons that have been placed with the stewardship of that offense, and that falls under Coach Belichick. So it's a, it's a good coaching job. They're not even in the playoffs unless they – I think they have to win to get in, if I'm correct. So, like, I, I don't know if I'm sitting here saying it's the best coaching job of Bill Belichick's career. I, I could argue in many ways that where, where it's fall well, fallen well short.
3: I think you can argue in many ways it's on the bottom of his uh, years of coaching I would think but um my question is a little bit more uh, tailored towards the NFL in general Dan and I think this is a, a, a insight that from you I'd really appreciate here it seems like there's a starting quarterback uh, talent drain going on in, in the NFL right now. Certainly at the end of the year, and I know at the end of the year a lot of guys are injured, and there's a lot of you know players who have to step up for that. But a lot of players just got flat out benched this year. What's your take on sort of the uh, the I don't uh, talent drain maybe is a little strong, but what's your take sort of on the uh, on the current state of the uh, starting quarterback in the NFL?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of the guys that got benched or are struggling are guys that have had really good long careers.
3: Yeah, and they changed teams.
0: You know, if we think of Matt Ryan and Indy, changed teams. Russell Wilson struggling in Denver, changed teams. Derek Carr didn't change teams, but as a new coach there. So, you know, what's the correlation between those guys that have been good for a long time and either changed teams or got a new coach? Because the opposite happened for Brady and Stafford over the past two years and their high-level success. So, you know, there's um, there, there's some of those veteran guys that have been really good players for a long period of time that, it, for some reason it did not connect and register for their individual and team performance and success this season. Um, I think some of the young kids, but then there's a Geno Smith, for example, that has been around a long time and, you know, kind of lightning in a bottle. And then there's some young kids that were expected to take these massive jumps and didn't, you know, Kyler was not taking a massive jump and obviously has suffered injury um, Zach Wilson was relatively expected to take a pretty big jump and didn't. Trey Lance hurt. Mac Jones is probably taking a step back. You know, so there's a lot of factors that go into play in that position. And I sometimes I get crazy frustrated that we only look at that position as a singular I'm a tennis player vacuum type of world. And I'll say it till I get done being on television. That position is the most dependent position in all of football. You can't point to me, a good quarterback, great quarterback, and say that they have an awful offensive line and really bad performers and talent-wise and say they're producing at a high level unless it's like a flash in the pan. So um, really good quarterbacks need really good players around them.
3: All right. Um, we'll leave it right there then. Dan Olavsky, thanks so much for the time. Uh, great to talk with you on a, uh, on a tough day and a tough subject.
0: Have a good week, guys. All right, thanks Thank a lot. Dan. That's
3: Dan Orlovsky. He's brought to you by Northeast Electrical, or pros need pros at needco.com, and by Town Fair Tire for the best prices on tires. Nobody beats Town Fair Tire. Nobody. Once again, that was uh, Dan Orlovsky joining us. Quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll get to some, um, well, that uh, question Mego asked about Rex Ryan and uh, Belichick's best coaching year ever. We'll dissect that a little bit. We'll get to more of your phone calls as well. But first, here's Ryan with the trending.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet? We're right back to it, Arcand and Mego on W E I.
1: Uh, Rex, I mean, say what you want about New England. Oh. Is this Bill Belichick? You think one of his best coaching?
3: One hundred percent,
0: I think it is. And, and when I look at it, because I compare it to the, you know these the, the the current New England roster compared to what it used to be when I coached against them. There's one player on that team. That would have started for those teams, and that's Matt Judon. Everything else, none of these guys would have started. That's why I call it a JV team. But the the, <laughs> the roster may be JV, but the coaching's not. This dude has done an amazing job. Might be his best year coaching that I've ever
3: seen. As Rex Ryan, and I mean, if you saw Dan Orlovsky's face when Rex said all that, it it spoke volumes. And called uh, dog poop. I know. I mean, that's sort of how I felt. It's how Megan. how a lot of people felt. It's Christian Arcan, Megan Adelini, Arcan and Mega here, Sports Radio W E E I. We'll get to your phone calls in just a moment. Um, his best coaching job ever that Bill Belichick has ever had that he's ever done this year, and the rationale is. Because these players aren't very good, these players that he drafted and he signed in free agency, by the way, which, okay, that's Bill the GM who did that, not Bill the coach, so fine, Rex. Uh, because those players aren't very good, and this team is a fringe playoff team hovering on the brink of 500, maybe going to make the playoffs, maybe not, depending on how this uh, drama shakes out with uh, with Buffalo and everything. Uh, that That makes this one of Bill's best years coaching ever. I'll tell you what this says to me, Maggie. Maybe you disagree. This is the These are the words of a defensive-minded coach. <laughs> these are the words of a coach who never really understood offense all that well. You know, like offense was never his thing. He had Mark Sanchez, and he had these, you know, lousy quarterback Fitzpatrick and these other bums and Geno Smith, and it just never really worked out. Had a great defense. Defense was always good, and he got a lot of credit for those defenses and making it to the AFC Championship game those two years, but he never quite figured it out on offense. So naturally, he watches this Patriots team where the offense is the worst maybe I've ever seen.
4: It's like a defensive
2: guy's calling offense.
3: It is a lot like that, Vance Joseph, yes, uh, or whoever that was. That was Vance Joseph. It was Vance Joseph, thank you. Um, and, uh, And you see this offense, which is about as bad as it's been since Hugh Millen, and a defense that is admittedly pretty good. And he says this is the best coaching job Bill Belichick's ever done. Rex, come on, man. That's outra- That's an Based outrageous. What? what an outrageous statement that is.
5: This take is so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. My brain is melting mm. listening to it and leaking out of my ears. Like, it's so dumb when I play it on my phone. I feel like my phone battery immediately drains because my phone doesn't want to <laughs> be alive to play Rex Ryan saying this on my phone. It's so bad. Before we even get to the first half of it, I want to get to the second half because it's just factually wrong. Mm. And even before we get to that, the way that the clip is set up, just a little behind-the-scenes glimpse at anyone who's done TV, this is a bit, this is a take that you know Rex Ryan with his big freaking chomping teeth Uh, strolled in and was like, I've got something for you guys today.
3: Those teeth are magnificent, by Those the way.
5: Those teeth are scary. I
3: mean, they are they are
1: beautiful. It's the level of white <laughs> when you go to the dentist. They go, No, 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 you don't want to get that. You'll look ridiculous. He goes, That's what I want. Says, no, no, right no. there. His fluorescent
5: mouth came in and was like, I have this great take. It's such a zag. Everyone's, you know. Bagging on these Patriots coaches. This I, think is such this. I think he it's believes so this. I think he believes It's so dumb. Okay, so the second part of it. He says Matthew Judon is the only player on this team who could hang with those, who could start mm-hmm. with those past Tom Brady teams. Right? Hey, idiot! <laughs> Trent Brown was on that 2018 team on the offensive line. He was. And he started all 16 games in the regular season. And by the way, if you remember that, that last Super Bowl run... He the line set up the running game right. that took them in deep into the playoffs to the Super Bowl. Like I don't understand it's not that hard. This was less than 5 years ago. I know. Like just run it back my man. Look at the roster. Like, it, it's so dumb. Mm. And that's not that's not even to go into. Like, the Devin, Mc,
3: Devin McCordy couldn't start on the right. team that he played exactly. on? Exactly. <laughs> <No, laughs> you it, gushed about how important you Devin McCordy was. You right. talk
5: about him being a defensive minded coach. So I'm like, okay, maybe he is just looking at the good job that's, doing, that's being done on one third of the team. Right. Like, you can say that. But I look directly at the offense with someone who played directly with Brady. And it's just so stupid. <laughs> It's so dumb. I can't believe he went on TV and said that. One of the and best. and I think it just demonstrates Trent Brown is a classic example of what's gone so sour with this team in terms of the coaching. Because that's a guy who was pretty integral to how they got into a deep playoff run into the Super Bowl yep. and won the Super Bowl. And you look at him, and this year alone, he has nine penalties of five false starts. Like, it's just... Freaking insane how poorly he's performed. And you can say that's the player. You can say that's all on the player, that he's not pulling his weight or whatever. But you look at this team, this goes to the first half. They have 102 penalties through 16 games. They've given up 821 total yards in penalties. That's insane. If you look at an actually good coaching job, a great coaching job that Bill Belichick did in 2020. With a really bad roster, when you look back on it, they had 62 penalties in the regular season. Yeah. They had half as many penalties. Disciplined. That, I know it's not all about penalties, but you can just look at the product on the field and say this is freaking blows. Is, How can, is
1: this Bill Belichick, you think, one of his best coaching I,
3: 100%. And why did they even set the question up that way? He must have told them. He's like, That's hey, listen, what I'm guy, saying. yeah, I'm going I'm to say this is the He waltzed in thing, and right. was like, hey, set me up. Set me up for this. Yeah. Set me
5: up. This is a great zag I have. Just on, wait. Woo! It's so bad. I, this might be the worst take that I've heard all season. This is worse <laughs> than the crap that Mike Lombardi spat out a couple weeks ago. But at
1: least he said it in, you know. At least
5: he was factually correct. Right, he he was saying we were naive to get and, there. and
1: stupid for wanting to criticize the coaches in week three, week four. And finally, by the time we got to December, Mike Lombardi's like, hey, you know what, I might have been saying it all along, which you haven't, by the way. But yeah, this coaching staff is ridiculous. The coaching has not done a good job. Rex Ryan is actually sitting there with a straight face and going, this is the best coaching. Year that Bill
3: Belichick's ever had. 100%. How could you watch this offense and say that the head coach is having one of the best years he's ever had? The head coach who's won six Super Bowls and has been coach of the year multiple times and is now has an offense that's like di- completely dysfunctional. How and he put together and you teams? say it's the best job he's ever
5: done.
4: 100%. 100%. Like,
3: Come
4: on, 100%. like
3: Rex. My he also
5: God. can't talk without his teeth whistling because they're so freaking huge so I'm beautiful. sorry. I know. I, so I just glorious. feel like I had to say it because I get called out a lot for my giant chompers. <laughs> I'm ahead. born with them. This guy like ordered them. Yeah,
3: he chose this, to have. He your chose teeth. this. He life. said, "Give me the Adelinis.
5: This is the <laughs> this is the genetic lottery that I hit. Where people are like, "Man, it must be nice to talk all that crap about the Patriots when your teeth are so big." And it's like he went in How and he paid thousands of dollars. I know.
1: Big teeth and talking crap. About that doesn't. Make also, any sense. why does
5: everyone say that I look? like a 12 year old I am in my 30s I just want to bring that up every day someone says I'm 12 years old so this Rex Ryan thing's really
1: got you upset is what you're trying to say
5: it's so dumb we've opened
3: the door here if you're
5: Dan (laughs) Orlovsky, did you go to ESPN the accounting department and you're like how much does Rex Ryan make (laughs) I need to know because I need to be paid more to be on a program with this take.
3: Yeah, I mean that's he's a, way uh, too
5: classy of a guy to come out and say like that was the most ridiculous crap that I've ever heard since my TV career. Mm-hmm. But that's how bad that was. I know.
3: I almost wish Mad Dog was in there. You know, Mad Dog would have. Hey, what are you talking about?
5: Is that worse? It's <laughs> can't do a good so bad. <laughs> and here's here's the <laughs> other argument that I hate about this. What? And I'm not trying to pile on Bill. Bell okay. Check- <laughs> I'm piling on Rex Ryan here. Because it's so dumb, yeah. and I just I can't stand to listen to to, to dumb stuff that is not self aware. I hate one hundred
4: percent
3: because you know I like Dan and I even like Rex, but like the coaches they get on there, they defend the coaches, the quarterbacks they get on there, they defend all the quarterback. Like it gets a little obvious, you know. Like the I, the agendas become very clear. I think right. is, is, when you when you hear these guys sort of go on about this to say that but this Rex was the has, best he's year. He's
5: ripped Belichick in the past. He has. That's so true. I don't understand this. I know. I know. I know that he walked in there and he was like, "Oh, what is Zag? Oh, I can't wait for the production meeting so I can pitch this take. But here's the other side of it because I've heard this argument a little bit that, you know what? Well, you can't hold GM Belichick against coach Belichick because when it comes to game day and coaching, how he's still on it.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: It's like sometimes this year. Yeah, that's right. Like sometimes he does. but a big part of being a head coach is also managing. The coaches that you put into place. I'm not just talking about the awful mistake it was to put these guys in charge of the offense yeah. or to keep Cam Accord in there after a couple of seasons of pretty bad special teams Including play outside this one. of Nick Folk. Yeah, yeah. They, well, this <laughs> might be the worst. Right, <laughs> But managing your coaches week to week and game to game, like that—that that is a huge part of being a head coach. I'm not talking just about the game day planning and everything, like the preparation. Okay, they're not prepared either, by the way. Like aside from the first drive on which they've scored twice, scored touchdowns twice in this entire season, the game day preparation on offense, like it's just extremely disorganized and unprofessional. And you can't say that that comes down to being a general manager. We're talking about being the head coach. I know.
3: And what have they even accomplished this year that makes you say that? They're not even in the playoffs yet. They're a fringe playoff team, and they've only beaten backup quarterbacks.
5: <laughs> like, they decided it. to go for it on fourth and four instead of taking the points that would have put them up last Great game. point. Yep. Like, how is that? Mm-hmm. Oh, genius. <laughs> what did you, like, the only I, – I have no explanation for that. Watching in real time, it's like, why? This is – you have been so meek in all of your calls on offense this year, and this is when you're going to – I, I, I was going to use a disgusting phrase. I, I'm just going to say swing your weight around. You
3: have to dump her again.
5: This is when you decide <laughs> to her be aggressive. This is when you decided to be aggressive. Cannot, will
3: not be stopped.
5: Like so dumb.
3: Yeah, it's pretty dumb. And here's another thing. If the coaching's so great, then how come the only time they ever score is when they change the play? How come the only time Mac Jones can ever get in the end zone is when he changes the play that gets sent in there from the coaching staff on the sideline? And if you don't believe me, you can ask David Andrews. He was talking about that play. This was a big uh, talker on Sunday. Uh, Dave, did you see that drive as kind of being a definitive one for this offense, a chance to close out the game, and, and Mac's able to bring the, the team down the field?
0: Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, it, w- it was you know a drive to keep the season going for us, so... um, you know big drive a lot of people made some big plays great recognition on uh you know mac on that touchdown i you know he's back there clapping and next thing i know that was not what i thought was about to happen so uh great job by him and jacoby being on the same page and recognizing you know what they saw so uh you know just overall great job by him and you know everybody to execute and get the ball down there and score
3: yeah, you know why he wasn't expecting that? Because it wasn't the play that was sent in. <laughs> they sent in some other play, and Mac Jones said, nope, doing this instead. Clap up. Hey, guys, hey. I thought uh, we'd be kicking a field goal at the end of this. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and instead, they, they call an audible there and are able to score a touchdown, which for this offense is no regular occurrence either. Um, that's, is that, you know, like I understand QBs call audibles all the time, but in an offense where they hardly ever score touchdowns, There's so few and far between. It seems like, you know, maybe the coaching's to blame there. And I know it's not all Bill. He's not doing the offense. He's not calling the plays. He delegated that. He put all that together. You're the head coach. That falls on you. And he said as much. He said, if it doesn't work, blame it on me. Okay, well, here it is. We're blaming it on you, except for uh, Rex Ryan, who thinks this is your your it's finest hour.
5: Insane.
3: One hundred percent. Okay, Rex. Percent. You, you say so. Just, he I... <laughs> sounds
5: like a devious beaver. <laughs> okay. One hundred percent. Plotting to steal the,
1: the, the world's firewood supply. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I just I love that David Andrews quote because I could see the conversation happening after you know Jacoby Myers is clapping his hand and he's like, "There's nobody on me." And Max like, "Great, uh, you know, alert, alert, Omaha!" And then they score the touchdown, they kick the extra point, and then he comes out the field and Joe Judge is like so what would you see there <laughs> what did I see there I saw that there was nobody open and he's like are you insane do you understand how dynamic and dangerous that the red zone could possibly be are you crazy you talk about the red area the red area is you know no. very
3: dynamic no! it's very different when you go through different zones shut up
5: ah, oh god I can't, I can't
3: listen to this I <laughs> <can't>. <laughs> it's too much I can't get into <laughs> it 617-779 7937 is the phone number let's go to the phones here Mago how about uh Deuce PK has been waiting a very All right, long just time
5: Deuce you're on go ahead
3: Deuce
4: Hey, how you doing? I got two quick things to share with you. Um the first one, um, I think you guys played an audio of the the coach from the the Buffalo Bills saying that he has to go with the player, he can't coach. Is that a a sign of, of giving into the game and that's the reason why the Bengals joined along and they suspended the game.
3: Well, the that was the Bengals the coach. Part, hold on a second to so That was the Bengals coach saying that he spoke to the Bills coach, and the Bills coach said, "I had to go." So that was, yeah, I'd say that's that was what uh, what set off that um, the game getting.
4: Well, if that's, if that's recorded, do you think that would be considered uh, He's given the white flag that you know Bengals will win.
3: I don't think so.
4: Can use that again.
3: I don't think so. And
4: then the other question, the other question too is. Um, in reference to, to Bill and the and the Patriots, I share with Fourier that they got nine lives. And I believe Belichick is gonna train these guys to overcome the mindset of a, a player being pretty like that on the field. And there's no chance that they can be Dunsky, if that word is still usable on your on your segment.
5: We accept Dunsky everywhere.
3: Sure. I don't I, think uh, Fourier yeah, took actually. Dunsky with them. Did he not? I don't know. I don't know if he uh, took no, the right to it. with him. Back we're to, in the over same the building. Indians. That's true, we are.
5: Hey, I went guys, over Dunsky and... For the season. I, I asked him a hypothetical question off-air, so we'll share his take on that later. Okay,
3: very good. Um, let's try Joe, who is in Rhode Island. Go ahead, Joe.
4: Hello? Hi, Joe. Hello, Joe. Hi. Yeah, I want to to the way on, on the situation with the Bills player that collapsed on the field. Yep. Yeah, I think it was, you know, a great thing for the NFL to to uh, you know, you know, call that game off, but it don't work like it don't work like that out here. You know what I mean? Like I work for Toyota, and like uh, we used to have startup meetings in the morning. You know what I mean? So we're standing around. A guy who falls out. He has a heart attack. We just got the AED earlier that week. So two coworkers, you know, had to revive him. As Soon as he was taken out of the building, we had to go back to work. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah. Like nothing
4: happened. Okay.
5: Joe, I hear you. I, I, I just, this is a blanket sorry. response. Thank you for the call. Thank yeah. you for listening. Blanket response to this doesn't happen in my workplace. You're not a professional athlete. I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you. It's different rules for different people and different walks of life. If you haven't, if you haven't figured that out, welcome to the world. Yeah, were there
3: 20 million people watching you sell a, sell a Toyota?
4: Like, you know, Maybe like, there were. In that
5: case, congrats. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That I just hate that argument. It's like, well, so into you know, like uh Jordan Poole got slapped at practice and that would never hap- that would never fly in my workplace and it's like, well I also don't think you're, like, dunking basketballs at your workplace. So it's just a little bit of a different case.
3: We're not allowed to make political statements at Harvard. It's like, okay, did you play the national anthem before you'd sell a Toyota? Like, what are you talking about? It's
5: just, (laughs) it's it's not apples to apples, my guy. And,
3: Joe, thanks for the call. We understand it, but it's not really the same thing. I hope your co-worker's okay. Um, Yeah, right. Let's go to Rob in Rhode Island here before the break. Go ahead, Rob.
4: Hey, thanks for taking my call, Um, In regards
0: to the incident that happened during the game, I'm surprised no one's been asking about, how T. Higgins is doing? How he's been handling this whole situation? I can't imagine what he's been going through. Also, in regards to, like this whole uh, when players sign a contract, nothing's guaranteed. But after this incident, I think it's time that players do receive a fully guaranteed
3: contract. What are your thoughts? I mean, I What's agree it? with you, Rob. I think that that's something they should do. But I don't even. Th- I'm sorry. Like every it's so player, unrealistic. the whole team could have a heart attack, and I'm not sure that that would ever change. I hate to I hate to put it that well, way, but I like... Don't- that's that's a big part of how this how this whole business runs.
5: Yeah, the second part you know? of that too is, you know, when you talk about the guaranteed contract money because as I said yesterday when these games are when we talk about rescheduling or never playing these games There are, for a lot of these contracts, incentives tied in for if you do this, if you do that, not just for players, for coaches Mm. that go beyond a playoff appearance or go beyond, you know, winning playoff games, making it to the Super Bowl. We all know that there's money tied to that. But all you have to do is follow a Rob Gronkowski or Tom Brady negotiation in New England to know that there's other incentives that are tied into it. So I get that. The first part, yeah, the T. Higgins uh, side of it is something... I feel like it's kind of compassionate not to dwell on it too much because Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's something that he is just devastated over just being a part of the play. And, you know, we have no idea what the medical condition was before underlying medical condition or if it was because of a force to the chest or whatever, but it's pretty clear there was no intent there at all, and it was just an unfortunate incident. Yeah. Now, t-
1: Twitter generally, uh, uh, not overly friendly place, but when T. Higgins uh, tweeted you know, what his perspective on what happened, I would say 99.99% of the comments were like, please don't blame yourself, you're not responsible, I hope you're doing okay. Really, it's just Bart Scott. Bart Scott is the only person that's been like, T. Higgins has some responsibility in this. I'd say the majority of the people are wishing T. Higgins nothing but the best. Well, yeah. the
5: cool thing was then I saw people, on Twitter arguing about whether Bart Scott or Skip Bayless is grosser, and I just think that that's, like, super fun. So I was like, hey, at least we all can agree on these things, yeah. you know?
3: Uh, Higgins did tweet yesterday, prayers and thoughts go out to uh, Hamlin and the Hamlin family. I'm praying that you pull through, bro, love, and then the praying emoji and then a heart emoji. Um, You heard uh, Zach Taylor, I think, at the beginning of his comments today say that on the sideline, Higgins was really – upset. I mean, he was really kind of going through it, and I think that, um, you know, that's not something that's going to change in a day. I no, wouldn't, you don't I wouldn't just get imagine. over that. Um, however, I can tell you this, Tom Pellicero, several others are reporting that the Bengals and the Ravens are scheduled to play at 1 o'clock on Sunday, and it looks like that's going to go forward. So, you know, the Bengals were there on that field too, and it looks like they're going to be uh, going out and playing on Sunday. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. When we come back, I want to talk about another player who's been on the team for a little bit, Uh, Jacoby Myers. He had some interesting comments the other day, and I think they underlie a big problem that Bill Belichick has in his locker room. That's coming up next.
1: Hey Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend that FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.
0: See how they go about doing it. Oh shit. Jones swings it up
3: high and handled for the touchdown. Jacoby Myers climbs the ladder for the score. Radio W.E.I. It's Arkan and Mega Taking you up until 6 o'clock, we've got Scalabrini, Brian Scalabrini, the White Mamba, joining the show at 4.30. Talk some Celtics in the next hour. In the meantime, that was uh, the aforementioned Mac Jones-Jacoby Myers touchdown, where they called an audible at the line. Surprised David Andrews, and if it surprised David Andrews, you know it surprised Cole Strange. Yes. Oh, we'll Pa. Ch- let's we'll change the play, Pa.
5: I did not know that was coming our way.
3: Anyways, um,
5: I'm so glad you <laughs> held me in your arms, kept me safe. Uh,
3: they did. They did end up scoring, and they did end up winning Uncle that game. Uncle
5: Trent, you don't do a damn thing for me.
3: <laughs> um, and it was scared
5: uh, me in trouble.
3: Jacoby Myers, who now leads the team in touchdowns, he's got five touchdowns, and is having a decent season. Good season for him. He's one of the few uh, players in the offense who's improved.
5: I was going to say better than most out there. Yes,
3: much better than most. I'd say two offensive players have gotten better this year. Stevenson and Myers. And they were the two that were involved in the worst play ever. That's <laughs> like, so, true. You know, like there's they, a price to pay. It is. Like they did get better. Water it's true. finds its level. Their numbers are better, but are people gonna remember that about them this year? Are they Are gonna remember that lateral play with Chandler Jones? Like I feel like that's gonna overshadow those things. I um, actually
5: I feel that <laughs> Janu has flashed a couple times, but he was so bad and yeah. unproductive last year I know. that it's kind of like if there's any progress there, it's incremental. My most yeah.
1: improved on offense is Marcus Jones. Yes, Marcus Jones.
3: That's certainly Shut not. up, Brian. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: Continue
5: um, our camp.
3: John Smith yeah, has like a dead cat bounce for John Smith. Yeah, year. exactly. That's basically, what that was. um Anyway, Jacoby Myers was speaking with someone at Mass Live. I don't know if it was Mason or Daniels. Um, it was Mark Daniels. It was Mark Daniels. So he was talking with uh, Mark Daniels, and he had a quote that I thought was interesting. And here's what he said: They asked if uh, Myers was going to hit unrestricted free agency in March. Told reporters after the win over the Dolphins, he ideally would like to resign with the Patriots. Um, he said, "I hope that happens." It's the ultimate world. It's kind of my dream, but you never know. At the end of the day, I just try to take it day by day. If I'm here, I'm here. I think what he's talking about is playing his whole career here and being like a lifelong Patriot. And for someone like Jacoby Myers, I sort of, part of me thinks, well, that's nice, you know, there's still some people who buy into that Patriots thing. And part of me says... No, get get out of here. Like, Go to a real offense. Go to a team with a real quarterback. Go to a team where the uh, offensive coordinator exists, first of all, and isn't someone that used to uh, call defenses. Like, go, run, be free. You remember how uh, Gronkowski and Edelman with, um uh who was it? Um, Amendola. With Amendola, they were like, oh, be free, have fun. Like, when he left, I feel like that's how I feel about Jacoby Myers. But what really sort of stood out to me here is that Jacoby Myers strikes me as a real Bill guy. You know, like he's the type of player that Bill Belichick loves. He's a possession receiver. He's tough. He's smart. He's you know not flashy. He's not some big uh, you know not a big ego. He's really just does whatever is asked of him, and he doesn't complain. And you saw, I mean, he just he's, he he, he gets it. Like even after that uh, that awful play against the Raiders, he took full accountability, and he's just you know he just that's the kind of players that Bill really likes. And I wonder. Are they going to do the right thing with him? Because there's not a lot of Bill guys left in that locker room. There's very few. I'd say there's on the offense maybe there's like two other ones. You know, I'd say maybe Harris and Andrews, and that's it. The rest of them, I don't consider them. Are Bill you saying on the
5: offensive side of the ball? On the offensive yeah, okay.
3: side. On the defense, you got uh, you know, you got some others. You got the uh, McCordy there. You got Matthew Slater, obviously, and you know guys like Lawrence Guy and some other ones who've been around a little while, but not many.
5: Well, because a lot of them have been free agents who got paid to come through. Right. So you know, Jacoby. Myers, I I don't like the cross sports comparisons, but it does feel a little bit like some of the you know Red Sox situations where yeah he, his career was born and bred here. And if you have heard him talk before about early in his career, uh, the very very first two seasons he played here, including the one with Cam, like I, I mean he really broke out in that season with Cam Newton as looking at him, oh, my God, this is a guy who's actually a really dependable receiver because that's something that takes a little while to build and you have to have enough exposure on the field to show that quality. He's not somebody who flashes his talent. And I think that's something that takes a while for people to appreciate. And I wonder if he feels like this is the only place he's been, this is what he knows, he knows he serves a function in in this offense no matter how it changes – And that dependability, can you do that somewhere else? You know, it's kind of like the devil that you know, which is very dysfunctional right now, (laughs) versus what might be elsewhere. And even if you get paid, you know, what are you going to achieve elsewhere with a different team, with a different kind of mindset?
3: Yeah. And it's not like, I mean, things are bad here, sure. But they're bad a lot of places. You know, he might get stuck with Kenny Pickett. He might get stuck with, you know, uh, David Blau or one of these other backups, someone who got benched. He may be with uh, he may be in Atlanta. I don't even know who the quarterback in Atlanta is right now. Um, you know what I mean? Like there's there's a lot of other uh, places where maybe the situation's not this bad, but it's close. And there's definitely plenty of situations where it's a lot worse, but he could also end up. On the Cowboys, or he could end up on the Chiefs, right. or he could end up on a team that needs a possession wide receiver and does and he provides that. And I just sort of think that, you know, the the Patriots may value Jacoby Myers and I think that they should. But they also spent a lot of money on these other wide receivers. Now, those were two year deals and I don't think a lot of those guys are gonna be brought back. But I'm not sure that Jacoby Myers, if he goes out there and a team says, hey, let's spend a little extra and bring this guy in. The Chiefs could really use a receiver like him. He'd probably be, after Schuster, probably the best receiver in the Chiefs roster, right? And yeah. that's a team with a real quarterback who's the number one seed in the AFC.
5: So you mentioned Schuster, who's one of the impending free agents. Right. Uh, Daniels lists out a couple other here. Alan Lazard, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Mac Hollins, and Aguilar. <laughs> so you look at that list of guys who have not already received contract extensions as high, higher-level wide receivers that are going to become available, mm-hmm. and you look at that and you go... I mean, if you're paying attention, Kobe's pretty high up there. Yeah, like he. I'm not saying he can necessarily set his price, but he can certainly negotiate.
3: Smith Schuster has about 900 yards this year. Myers next with 771. Out of the pending free agents that you just mentioned, it goes Schuster, Myers in terms of uh, in terms of yards, in terms of touchdowns. Uh, Juwan Johnson has seven with New Orleans, and then it's Lazard and Myers tied with five. You know, like he's he's going to be a high value. Wide receiver on the free agent market. Now, is there going to be a crazy big bidding war for him like he was Justin Jefferson? Like, no, obviously not. But when there's not a lot of other great options, you saw what happened two years ago. The Patriots didn't have a lot of great options, so they overpaid for Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. I see absolutely a team with money saying, you know what? There's not great options, but we need a wide receiver. Let's spend on Myers, and we'll give him a, a contract like the Patriots gave Bourne. You know? And I don't think the Patriots will match that. I, just, I don't trust them to uh, to do the right thing there, and I think they need to. Not just because he's a good player, but because if Bill's still going to be around for this, he's going to need his guys in the locker room, and I think Myers is a Bill guy.
5: I agree with that. I, I do feel like I, it, whatever happens and has happened with the locker room with Bill this year can be remedied yeah. in the offseason, and it's going to be really fascinating off season for this team. I'm sorry I know that's jumping ahead and kind of like putting a fork in the season thus far. I mean Curran's been over, doing this for three weeks. It's gonna be a great off season. On, you, folks team. you have that to look forward to. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I just from a skill standpoint, it's not you haven't found many receivers as of late who consistently function in these offenses that you trot out there, and Jacoby is one.
3: Yep, certainly is. Uh, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the Boston Celtics, who had a historically bad loss last night in Oklahoma City to a team that didn't even have their best player. Uh, We'll get to that. We'll be talking with Brian Scalabrini next hour as well. It's all coming up next.